Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our discipleship pastor, Adam Scott. got to love YouTube, don't you? Hey, it is never too early to start thinking about Christmas. How many of you need a Christian Alexa in your house to keep you and your family straight? All right, a few of you ready to admit it. Well, you are in luck because we are putting in a bulk order by the end of the year. We're going to provide one for every single household of every single one of our volunteers in 2019. So you have that to look forward to. Hey, this is week six of a summer series called Puzzled by Life. Throughout this series, we are taking a deep dive into the eight phrases of Jesus known as the Beatitudes. And through those phrases, we're, we're using them to find our way to a life of blessing, happiness, and joy. Today, we're talking about purity. And we're not just talking about the kind of purity that comes from a meddlesome device that sits on your counter and tells you what to do. We're talking about a purity that comes from the deepest places within us. Let's look at what Jesus says in the sixth beatitude in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Touch your neighbor and say, I want to see God. That was weak, and I don't believe any of you meant it. Okay, I want you to touch your neighbor, and with everything you've got, like you mean it, I want you to say, I want to see God. That's a little bit better. How many beach people do we have in the room? few of you, okay? Yeah, that's a bunch of, we have a lot of beach people that are not in the room today, if you know what I'm talking about. But my wife is a beach person. She could sit in front of the water from sun up until sundown. One particular time, she even tried to do that with me sitting right beside her. You see, she was perfectly content reading a book and just enjoying life. Meanwhile, I was suffering from second degree burns and severe dehydration. So half pleading, I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, don't you, don't you think it's about time for us to go in, you know, take a cold shower and maybe stand in front of the air conditioning for a little while? And she kind of brushed me off and she said, yeah, yeah, I just want to finish this last chapter. Two books later, she finally looked up and panicked when she saw that I was half dead and melted to the chair that I was sitting in. Listen, I like the beach, but I like the beach in moderation. Here's the funny thing, though. Even though I'm hardwired to feel that way about the beach, my first experience with the beach brought about an entirely different emotion. You see, I was in sixth grade, and my parents were taking us on our first beach trip, and it just happened to be in the middle of a severe tropical storm. But as we drove through the wind that's trying to push our car off the road and the rain that's absolutely pounding on our car, I was so excited to look through all of those things and catch just a glimpse of the ocean. You see, I was, I was passionate and I was on fire and I started saying to my brothers, look, I, I think I saw it there beyond the, the, the palm trees. I, that spot looks sandy. I bet that's the beach. Look, I, I think I just saw a shark. You know, we weren't out of making yet, but we were getting very close. Listen, that's what this beatitude is all about. It's all about the desire to see something that's going to that's gonna take our breath away. It's about passionately looking for something that can satisfy the deepest desire within our heart. 
You see, this particular beatitude promises that we all can see and experience God in a new and more exciting way than we have ever experienced him before. You see, I think that's the desire of all of our hearts. You see, maybe you're here today and you say, I'm, I'm just going through a rough time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of a tragedy. I'm, I'm in the middle of a challenge. I'm in the middle of a, a difficult stage of life. You know, maybe it's a divorce or, or a diagnosis or a dispute or maybe even an addiction. In the midst of all of that, don't you crave to experience the healing presence of God in your life? Maybe you're wrestling with your faith. Maybe you're struggling with doubt. Maybe you're at a point in your life where you're trying to determine between what you've been told is true about God and what you actually believe in your heart to be true about God. In the midst of that struggle, don't you crave more than anything else to experience God's real physical presence in your life in a powerful way? Maybe you've been a Christian for a really long time, and maybe you just feel like your spiritual life has gone stale or stagnant. You're just not as passionate as you once were. You're just not as engaged as you once were. Don't you need his presence to carry you into a a new place of passion and belonging? Or maybe your spiritual life is going great. Maybe you're spending time with God every day, and you're regularly seeing him work and move in your life. Doesn't that create a hunger for even more? Don't you get excited at the idea of God revealing himself to you in a new and exciting way today? Listen, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, if you're desperate to see God, then this beatitude is going to give you the path to follow so that you can get it. This is my sermon in a sentence. Purity is the pathway to the presence of God. Let me say it again because that's so important. Purity is the pathway to the presence of God. Let's talk about what that means. Purity speaks to our actions and our motives. Jesus uses the phrase pure in heart, which connects this idea of cleanliness with sincerity. It describes a lifestyle that's free from stain or blemish because of an unmixed and unparalleled devotion to God. Jesus reinforces this idea later when he talks to many of the corrupt religious leaders of his time. And he calls them whitewashed tombs that are beautiful on the outside, but they're full of death on the inside. You see, in this encounter, he suggests that what he desires from us, what real purity looks like is the combined result of what's inside of us and what flows out of us. You see, what Jesus would say to us today, if he were standing on this stage and talking about his desire for our hearts and our purity, he would say this, don't memorize this. This is not an iPad. This is my Bible that I use on a daily basis. Don't memorize this if you're not willing to give me this. See, I think he would stand up here and he'd say, don't surrender yourself to me in church with this, your heart, if you're not willing to go out into the world and live for me with these. hands. You see, purity requires us to be all in, inside and out, from top to bottom with everything we've got. That's what Jesus wants from us. That's a tall order. That's a big ask, which is why it comes with such a hefty promise that we will see God. 
When I was a kid, every time I would leave my dad's presence to go anywhere else that he wasn't going to be, you know what he always told me? He said, remember who you are and whose you are. That's right, some of you grew up just like I did. Remember who you are and whose you are. In other words, you're going to experience some things when you get out of my presence, but I want you to remember who you are and that you belong to me. I believe that's what Jesus is saying to us here. He says, look, you're going out into the world and you're going to experience some impure things. You're going out into the world where there's going to be temptation. There's going to be impurity surrounding you on every corner. He says, I want you to remember who you are. You're a child of God. I want you to remember that you belong to him and maintain your purity as a result of that relationship that you have with him. This morning, I want to be practical. Can I get really practical with you this morning? You see, I believe your habits create the condition of your heart. Your habits create the condition of your heart. My eight-year-old and I, we love to go running together, and, and we got to where we were running long distances together, but we took a few months off just because life got busy, so we, we just took a long break, and as we started back into this habit, this routine of running, this is what I said to her. I said, through like gasping breaths, I said, you're going to hate this on day one. It's not going to be as fun as you remember it being, but if you stick with it, it will come back. It took about two weeks of embracing the habit before our hearts caught up with our actions. Now we look forward to every single run. Listen, today we're going to talk about some habits. And these habits, they may not be fun at first. You may not even do these habits with passion on day one. But if you stick with it, I promise you that these habits will transform the condition of your heart. It will lead to a purity that, that enables you to experience more of God's presence in your life. Let's look at the first one. It's this. A pure heart maintains sensitivity. A pure heart maintains sensitivity. That is, a pure heart has the habit of resisting culture's gradual pull towards the impurities that destroy the heart. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. He says, they, meaning the Ephesians, are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. This is the important part. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. They are separated from the life of God. Why? Because they gave themselves over to sin. They gave themselves over to impurity. They gave themselves over to the things of this world. When did they do that? When did they make that decision to surrender themselves to the things of this world? It didn't happen all at once. It happened gradually, step by step, a little bit at a time as they lost so much sensitivity to the things that God wanted for them that they no longer even felt his presence and felt like he was alive and at work in their life. How many of you have ever, ever been in a cold swimming pool? Anybody? Okay, quite a few of you. I imagine everybody's been in a cold swimming pool. And the first thing you do when you get to a cold swimming pool is you dip what in? Your toe or your brother, you know, whichever one comes first. But you usually you dip your toe into that cold pool and you shiver and you think, man, there is absolutely no way I am ever going to be comfortable in this pool. And then we jump in, right? 
because it's absolutely crazy to walk into a cold pool. So you jump in, you immerse yourself into that water, and within a few short minutes of immersing yourself in that cold water, your body begins to adjust until you can no longer feel the very thing that made you uncomfortable in the first place. Listen, that's what happens to so many of our hearts. You see, we set out with good intentions. We set out with the goal of maintaining our purity and honoring God's standards. But when we immerse ourselves in the things of this world, our hearts begin to adjust to accommodate the very things that once felt so wrong. Just like the Ephesians, we begin to lose our sensitivity little by little. We give ourselves over to the things that separate us from God. Listen, you need to hear me say this today. Just because something is normal doesn't make it right. Just because something is normal, just because you see it all around you, that doesn't make it right. And every time we abandon right for normal, we step farther and farther away from God. As we step farther and farther away from God, we become less sensitive to his standards and less sensitive to his presence in our lives. If we want to maintain pure hearts, if we really, from the deepest parts within us, just like you just told your neighbor, we really want to see God, then we've got to put up some barriers that the world won't understand to protect what the world can't replace. We've got to guard our hearts from the influences and the actions that cause us to lean into the world's way of doing things and away from God's plans for our lives. Let me say it plainly. Some of the music that we listen to, some of the movies that we watch, some of the books that we read, some of the friends that we have, some of the habits that we engage in, those things that aren't affecting us, they are affecting us. We don't want to admit it, but they're affecting our heart, which is having an impact on the way we experience God's presence in our life. If we want pure hearts, we may need to lay something down at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus Christ, I want you more. If we want pure hearts, we've got to maintain a sensitivity to God's standards and his plan for our life. Second habit that we've got to embrace is this. A pure heart acts swiftly. A pure heart acts swiftly. This habit goes with the last one. It's the habit of getting rid of impurities, getting rid of temptation the minute it presents itself in our lives. There's a story in the Old Testament. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's the story of Joseph. And through a series of different events, Joseph finds himself serving one of the most powerful men in the country. The man's name is Potiphar. And while he's doing um, his, his responsibilities, while he's, while he's serving his master, Potiphar, he has this encounter with Potiphar's wife. And this is what happens in Genesis 39, 11 through 12. It says, one day he, meaning Joseph, went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She, meaning Potiphar's wife, caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand, and he ran out of the house. Listen, while you're doing your master's work, I promise you Satan is in the background looking for an opportunity to jump you from behind. While performing his duties, temptation attacked. You see, Joseph, for all we know, he's maintained sensitivity. Joseph has pure motives. Joseph is not doing anything wrong. 
but he still attacked with a temptation that would take most people down. What saved his purity is the reflex he had to boldly and swiftly deal with the problem the moment it presented itself to him. Listen, if Joseph had stuck around for just one minute, do you think this story would have ended a little bit differently? You see, if, if Joseph had negotiated within himself to, to resist Potiphar's wife more casually, he would have surrendered himself to her completely. The moment that Joseph was impacted by impurity, he took care of it. We need to train ourselves to be that diligent about guarding our hearts. My kids used to love playing on a specific wooden playground set. They used to love to get on it. And I didn't even have to watch them. That thing was so sturdy and strong. They'd climb up, they'd slide down, they'd go back and forth. And you put 50 kids on it and it's going to hold every single one of them. It was that strong and that sturdy. But all of a sudden one day I started to notice that it was wobbling a little bit. You know, it was shaking as they ran on it. And, and as I watched it over the weeks to come, it got more and more loose. It, it started to lose its structural integrity. And next thing you know, with my 30-pound kid on it, pieces start to fall off. They start to break off of that playground set. And as I looked at it, I was trying to figure out how could the weight of my child possibly bring this playground set to the ground? But as I looked at that piece that had broken off of it, I realized that it wasn't the weight of my child that broke that set. You know what it was? It was carpenter bees. Carpenter bees that had started building tunnels through that playground set. Listen, the moment the first bee began to dig through its foundation, its weakness, was, its, its integrity was compromised and it became weak. Our lives are the same way. So many times all it takes is one little tunnel to begin the complete devastation of everything that is important to us. Think about it. I don't know a single woman in this world who says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to connect with an old boyfriend on Facebook, and hopefully as I do that, I can totally wreck my life. I can almost guarantee an ugly divorce and expensive lawyers and, and custody hearings and and I can, just, I can just be so excited about dropping this nuclear bomb on my life and the lives of the people in my family. I can spend the next years trying to regain and rebuild my reputation. Nobody does that. Same is true for pornography. I don't know a single guy who sets out to engage in a secret sin that will most likely follow him into or out of marriage. But one glance, followed by another click, often leads to an addiction that seems almost impossible to overcome. Listen, sin is a slippery slope. Nobody sets out to ruin their lives, but it happens every single day. The time to deal with impurity, the time to deal with temptation, is before it digs that first hole into your foundation of your heart. Winston Churchill once said this about negotiating with the Nazis. He said, you cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. I love that. You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. If we want pure hearts, then we've got to invest in a heavy defense system before our head is in the mouth of impurities. We've got to develop the habit of responding swiftly. If we don't, a different kind of habit is going to attach itself to our hearts and lead us down a path we don't want to go on. The third habit that we've got to embrace, and this is the most important one, the third habit is this. We've got a pure heart pursues holiness. 
That is, a pure heart regularly and habitually pursues the things of God. This is what the psalmist writes in Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11. He says, how can a young man stay on the path to purity? Don't worry, older people, this applies to you too. By living according to your word, by living according to God's word. I seek you, God, with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, a pure heart is not just the result of avoiding impure things. We can only obtain purity when we replace those things with the things of God. You see, the secret to purity is to seek the presence of a holy God and to allow him to cleanse us from the inside out. Let me illustrate that to you this morning. See, I've got this stuff over here. They tell me I needed to be off stage. I don't know why. Sorry, front row. Um, let's say this is your life, okay? Your life is clean. Your life is pure. Your life is holy. But it doesn't stay that long, right? Because your first birthday comes around and, and you start to fill yourself with impurity. I've got some impurity right here in the form of ketchup, Okay? Let's say, let's say you get a little bit of impurity in your life. Maybe it's envy or maybe it's greed or selfishness. Something happens in your life and you entertain things in your heart that make it impure. Maybe you've got a little bit more impurity. You know, your second birthday comes around and, and now you've got all these other impurities. This is soy sauce, but it's also impurity. And it goes into your heart and it begins to change the color of your heart. It begins to make you impure. You see, what a lot of people do is the same thing we've been talking about up to this point in the sermon. They, we just try and pull the impurities out, right? Like we're just going to reach in and grab it. And we're going to take care of this all by ourselves. We don't need any help. We're just going to pull it out just like that. You see how much progress I'm making here? Just reach in and pull it out. That doesn't work, does it? And so what a lot of times what we do is we decide that we're going to sanitize our hearts, you know? We're going to go to church on a regular basis, and just being in the presence of God at church is going to sanitize our hearts, and it's going to take care of everything, right? Would you drink this? No, I, I wouldn't either. But see, what I believe we have to do instead of just avoiding impurities, instead of trying to take them out on our own, instead of trying to sanitize them, is we've got to begin to fill ourselves with something else. We've got to fill ourselves with God and holy things that come from him. This is what happens. As we begin to fill ourselves with God, the impurities start to fall out. Sometimes it takes a long time. <laughs> because ketchup is stubborn, much like the impurities in our heart. But as we fill ourselves with God, those impurities begin to be cleansed. And we're made new again. Say, now you can drink that. I want to share with you a verse. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation because I love the way it words it right here. It says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. Get this, he made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. What makes us pure and holy is the love of God through Jesus Christ. Listen, I believe with all my heart that God wants us to invest our energy into developing habits that resist and rid ourselves with the things of this world, with impurity. But I believe that more than anything else, 
I think he wants us to develop the habit of pursuing him and allowing him to transform us from the inside out. You see, he's able to do something in our hearts that we can't do. Maybe you're here today and you've lost sensitivity. Maybe there's some area of your life that you've, you've engaged in impurity to the point that you don't even feel it anymore. It just, it feels normal. Maybe you're here today and you just, you haven't acted swiftly. You haven't responded to sin and impurities the way that God wants you to. And so now you find yourself in this place where the foundation of your heart is in pieces. It's got tunnels all the way through it. I want to challenge you to pursue God, the God of second chances, and allow him to do something miraculous in and through your heart. You see, Jesus promises that making purity a priority will bring about the presence of God. Why? Because it removes the blinders from our spiritual hearts. We've got to surrender ourselves to him. We've got to fill ourselves with him so that we can see the God who's always right in front of us. Listen, I, I want to see God more than I want anything else in this world. I want to see God. What about you? Purity is the pathway to the presence of God. This time I'm going to ask all of our communion servers to, to start heading to the back. We're going to take communion here at the end of the service, and we do this from time to time. The reason we're doing it today is because I believe if you're sitting there and you think, man, I'm just, I'm so full of impurity. I've, I've got things that are weighing on my heart. I've got things that are, are, are holding me back from seeing and experiencing God the way that I want to. I want you to know you're not alone. See, recognizing that and, and feeling that is the first step in overcoming these challenges in your life. As we take communion, we're going to give you an opportunity to just sit there quietly and confess that to God. To say, God, I'm, this is where I am. I'm not hiding it from you. I'm, I'm not in denial. God, this is where I am, but this is not where I want to be. You see, for a few moments, I want you to say, God, I, I want you to help me overcome these challenges in my life. And I want you to bring me to a place where I can be made pure and holy again. As you take the juice that represents Christ's blood and the bread that represents his body, I just want you to let him fill you up from the inside out to cleanse you in a miraculous and powerful way. It's like, God, give me the strength when I leave here to commit myself to the plans you have for my life, to maintain purity, to make bold choices so that I can see you and experience you on a daily basis. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the miraculous work that you're able to do in our lives and in our hearts. Lord, I pray that over these next few moments as we cast everything else out of our minds, God, I pray God, that we're able to feel your presence. We're able to see you work in our lives, God. We're able to know that you're doing something for us that we can't do for ourselves. God, as we feel what purity feels like, God, as we experience that, God, I pray that you give us the strength and the courage to go out into this world and to maintain it the way you want us to, to live by your standards, to embrace your plan, to walk away from the things of this world so that we can surrender ourselves completely to you. God, work in our hearts now. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. 
If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.